all-new Ellen mother-daughter duo Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn, plus the new Bachelor, Colton Underwood. If all goes well, then I'm going to go back to his fantasy suite. Ellen, new season today at 3 on NBC5. Friday, the first debate. We've seen this country come together. The fight for the Senate. We want to do great things. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke face off in their first high-stakes debate. Decision 2018, Friday at 6 on NBC5. Blog Talk Radio. You know when you hear the tones, the dulcet tones of the Rams. It's got to be Touch Show Radio. What's up, everybody? Beautiful Monday night. Seahawks are losing. The Rams won. The Cardinals lost. Almost all is right in the world. It's your boy 3K, 3K underscore. Hit me up. Robbo joining us tonight at Seattle Rams underscore NFL from the Pacific Northwest. What's up, Big Rob? What's going on, boys? Living life, dude. Big Mycin, Mighty or Mycin, M-I-G-H-T-Y-O-R-M-I-S-O-N-E on your Twitter dial. What's up, Mice? What happening? What's happening? Still oh. 10 pounds lighter. Oh, good for you. I don't, I don't know if we need to get into that. That's, that could go one of two ways, <laughs> and one of them could be okay. The other one could not. Oh, yeah. Joey the Jerk, Probably LA Rams, Rams, Rams. What's up, Jerry? What's going on, Jerks? Yeah. How's that how's Hanging that LA skyline tonight, my friend? I know. How 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 is it tonight, Owen? So you know what? I don't know if you guys heard, but we got mosquitoes now. So one of our big bragging rights is uh out the window. So we got this weird mosquito that flew over to Southern California and we're all getting bitten up like we're a bunch of jerks from the south or something. Or I don't know where mosquitoes are, maybe the east coast, whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't have a good some some classic anti-southern hatred. And we don't have mosquitoes like the South, where mosquitoes are from. Like what the fuck? <laughs> That's what I assume that like it, right now in like the middle of I don't know Mississippi, there's just mosquitoes everywhere. Is that, is that not right? Is that wrong? <laughs> That is probably, this, this is some very Brandon Bates shit. Wrong. Yes. <laughs> well, here's the thing: there, there are definitely mosquitoes in Mississippi. Because here's the thing: there are yeah, mosquitoes but, everywhere. What kind of shit? Was not, that? Exactly. not California until like a month ago. A month ago, we were we, we were mosquito free. I'm two states and north, we, and we have mosquitoes. Well, I do like this side of Joey. Yeah, I do. Joined, we, I, we've joined the fray, so I, I, we're miserable. Too. I like. I want a, I want an anti-Southern Joey, just like anything, you know, like all this poverty we got. What are we, the fucking South? Well, wait, what the hell kind of, what? I, 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 th- I, th- I thought that was just, you know, assumed. I was going for La Habra doesn't have mosquitoes. That shit belongs to Simi Valley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you, know, do you know the property taxes I pay? <laughs> We got we got to get you out of Southern Cal for a week. Yeah, for real. For real. I know, right? Oh, Joe, no, and, and when, when you do the whole time, I'm just bitching about humidity the entire time. <laughs> I'm insufferable. 
I paid cash at Ralph's the other day, and the person didn't have exact change. Where am I, Alabama? What kind oh, of an Lord, establishment no, you, you is, what that? I do is Is when I am in Alabama, I, I complain. I was like, look at all the plastic bags you guys are using. You're just <laughs> plastic bag without asking. I brought my canvas bag, jerks. Joe, Joey's going to go to the Midwest. He's going to be like, what the hell? These people wear hoodies because it's actually cold? <laughs> They're not, it's just not something to do? <laughs> That'll be yep. that'll be Joey all off. Hey, you know what? Give me a state and I'll complain about it. The Joey Accord. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll pick one state a show and let's just go off on them. That's yeah, exactly. This, this week, Mississippi. <laughs> oh God! I don't, no, I, don't think I don't think your rent will be worse than Rob's on Bradford. Though. That was epic. <laughs> uh, it was spot on, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't was it spot cool. on? It was no. it was needed. It was needed. <laughs> that was Everybody likes a good butt rant. Terrible. His ass was broke. We broke his ass. It was <laughs> we broke his ass. We broke the team's ass. We broke <laughs> that off in that ass. Uh, Sam Bradford is Mike oh, Thomas yeah. and the quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, oh, I said it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Damn, we just, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's set the stage. Cooper let's set everything up. All right. So overloving son of a <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. We're going there tonight. Oh, um Oh yeah. Week two. Uh, we got 34 to nothing was the final score. It was dominant yeah. throughout. It was a slow start. Um, Rams really tried to establish a run. Once they did that, opened up the playbook, and things went about as most people kind of thought, uh, albeit to a much more extreme uh, degree. Arizona's offense didn't cross midfield until the waning minutes of the game. The Rams just kind of hit them with what I called the slow burn of competency, uh, and it was a little too easy, uh, too often, for a team that's clearly better than the other one. As Rob alluded to in our preview uh, podcast, we definitely got uh, to Sam Bradford and broke that ass. Uh, not literally, but certainly metaphorically. Uh, big we got games all around. Uh, we got a lot of people to start with. Uh, Misa, I'll let you go first, man. Where, where do we need to start with this game? Uh, who, who do you think... Uh, uh, at least in terms of discussion, merits coming up first. You know what? It's uh, it's going to be a curveball here, but I have to say John Johnson. I thought John Johnson yeah. played wow. his best game of his career. He was just hot shit. Like, he was all over and locking guys up. Like, he was, uh, he was supporting in the run. He was coming from way back. He was playing deep. He, he played everywhere. He was just this freakish hybrid and – not a, not to make a comparison or anything like that with another uh, safety who wore the uh, who wore the forties, but uh, he he's kind of playing all over without a true spot and similar in the role of Troy Palomalu, which in no way whatsoever was he playing to that level. But the way he was used was similar, just the way he was getting put all over the field, and he he excelled at it. I was thoroughly impressed. John Johnson was the man yesterday. Am I? What would you all think? How yeah, about uh, was- how about Johnny Hecker. Mm. As, as Mr. Hecker. Actually, what the heck? I expect Johnny Hecker to be able to kick a football uh, 20-something yards, right? I mean, he's a punter. He should be able to, you know, just put up. How about Cooper Cup? Uh, it's very, it's it. a very different play art, it. though. Play Coop. Had to come in cold. 
had to be the holder, spun the laces out, laces out. Cooper Cup is a man without talent, no lack of talent. He can do anything. Cooper Cup, he can coach, GM, he can hold, he can run, he can fly sweeps, he's over the middle, he's going When you got hands as supple as Cooper Cup, you don't need love. It's the versatility of, I think McVay mentioned in his post game, the versatility of, of the team to be able to, uh, you know, face some adversity. Your kicker pulls the groin warming up, and it's like, all right, we got this. We're just going to go for two every time. When we're done embarrassing you doing that, getting three of them, we'll, we'll have our punter make an uh, extra point and field goal, and we'll have our wide receiver become the holder. Um that was pretty impressive. I mean, there's we could go with a lot of routes. Like how many guys had really good games? I mean, across the board. But you know, just two guys who really did something that you don't expect them to do. That was, uh, that was pretty good from those two gents. Hey, can I ask a question about that whole situation with uh, the the kicking situation? Now, this game was never really in doubt. But if if that happened in a game that was tight, and how much of a disadvantage do you guys feel it really would have been? If, if, if we basically were always, you know, doing two point conversions and only kicking field goals within twenty, that to, to me it was it, it was it was scary in the sense it was like a regular season game, and we just happened to luck out because we were playing the Cardinals. But if we were playing the Minnesota Vikings two weeks from now, yeah, that would have been a disaster in that one mean, way because yeah. we would have lost a game that we easily could have won with Greg Zerline kicking. Because how much did we re- rely on him last week on on on? four field goals and, you know, we wanted him to kick five and it, it, it seemed like it was fun and we were all having a good time because, you know, it was the Cardinals, but um, we dodged a bullet, you know, it was, it, to, to me, it was kind of like, wow, you know, like when your backup kicker has never kicked, made an NFL attempt for field goals. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was lean. I heard I heard someone you know talk to Hecker after post game they did a little interview and he was just you know at the mic chatting and they asked him when the last time he actually kicked a football uh, you know in the game was as as a kicker and he said uh, it was back in high school 2007, Bothell High School represent up here in Seattle, uh, so you know I, the fact that they haven't even practiced it and they haven't gone through that scenario kind of surprised me because Coach Bone seems like a guy who goes over everything and they never right. have explored the opportunity of can you actually do this. I mean, even well, in camp, well, when you got about, time? Interesting. They asked him about when was the last time he kicked in a game. So I would assume that he's done it in practice a few times. Not a lot, but probably a few times. But just as far as kicking it when it mattered, yeah, that's yeah. a long time. That's a, that's a, that's a way. So uh, just the versatility and being able to adapt and, and make it happen. And, and like Joey you know, mentions, it's, it wasn't in a game when you actually needed someone to kick a I mean. What, what, what if you're, you know, Green Bay or and and uh, right. in Minnesota like this week, and they're, you know, they miss field goals anyways, but you're in a tight game, you need someone to make make a kick for you, and you don't have it. That's uh, that's big. So Sam Ficken, welcome back to the team. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, I should have should have mentioned that um, Greg Zerline uh, in his uh, remarks today, Sean McVay said that he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So the Rams signed Sam Ficken, placed Mike Thomas on injured reserve. Uh, as well, so we'll have to see what go, happens going forward. You're going to get MRI results to see about the groin. We'll see if we get an update. Uh, may just be one of those things where we keep seeing him on the injury report. What's interesting, I guess, uh, is is just the idea that uh, 
you know, we saw Sam Ficken at the end of last season and coming immediately off the street wasn't necessarily impressive. When you've got Zerline, you know that you've got a shot for your 50-55 yard field goals. I don't know how many of them they're even going to let Ficken try. Uh, those will be interesting decisions if we get to a point where it sets up for him. Uh, but uh, we'll have to see when we get to those decisions in terms of what Joey was alluding to. Certainly lo- losing Zerline could have been much, much worse in a wrong game. I guess it, I'll throw an X factor out there, and I know this is something we're going to have to talk about this week, is Austin Blythe at right guard. The offensive line had another really good game, and Blythe obviously was a huge part of it. Jamon Brown now coming off a two-game suspension. I, I don't know what the right decision here is. I, I think you got a guy that's playing good football, uh, Jamon Brown almost certainly would have started week one had there not been a suspension. So I don't know. What do you guys think in terms of how to handle that? There's not really a right answer unless, you know, whatever you pick uh, ends up being a guy that's playing good football next week. And then you can just say, yeah, it worked out for us. But I don't know. How do you guys feel about that decision with Austin Blythe that's playing good football and Jamon Brown coming back? Well, you know, an interesting thing about it is what kept him off the field, because if he was injured, Jamon Brown, I would feel a little bit more like, okay, cool, he's healthy now, give him a shot. But for some reason, since he's suspended, I feel a little bit more like, well, I don't know, let's keep Austin Blythe in there. And maybe that's completely unfair, and it probably is. But I really like Jamon Brown. I mean, I like him too. Of side, keeping Blythe in there, hot hand, you know, it's it's kind of like that same thing with over in uh, Tampa Bay. You know, got to keep Patrick in there, you know. Getting a little bit choppy yeah, there. What you, you know, got, Mike? I, uh, I would definitely say I love the idea, or not the idea, but the fact that they're right now, here, right now, you have two guys stepping in and play. You know, Jamon Brown was really good last year. He played really well, um, and now he has now he has a reason to have a bit of a chip chip on his shoulder. You know, so when I, when you add that in, it's like, oh wow, you know, he, you know, he wants to come back. Prove his teammates, prove to his teammates, hey, you still trust me, I made a mistake. And I, now he's seeing how good uh, Austin Blythe is playing, and it's just like, oh, crap, I got real competition. I love this because he, it wasn't like he was playing bad. You know, he was playing really well last year, and then this happens, and this is nothing but added motivation for a player that was already playing well. These are the type of problems I think you want to have as a team. And with in this particular situation, considering the fact that it's the line, that's why I said – Last week, the Rams may very well have the best offensive line in the NFL, especially if the preseason told us anything about Joseph Noble, who actually I thought played pretty well in the preseason. Uh, right. If the Rams actually have some depth on their offensive line now, which is what it's looking like, they may very well have the best offensive line in the NFL. That can be anything but good news for just the overall future of this uh, of this unit, because um, you know someone's going to get lost uh, just by, by the, number, the way the numbers work. So I'm, I'm okay with the idea of you know, we may have to move on from one of these two guys because I feel like you can't afford it now. <laughs> you know, if it was a situation where Austin Blythe uh, was playing like crap, then, you know, obviously you can't wait for Jamon Brown to get back. Or if it was a situation where Jamon Brown played up and down or like crap or something like that last year, then it's like, then it's an easy decision. But these things, I think these are good problems to have. Uh, me personally, I probably would go with Austin Blythe only because the line as a whole is playing so well. And as we all know, the line is all about chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. I don't want to really risk messing that up, considering the fact that uh, Jamon Brown hasn't been in the starting line since about the second week of training camp. So it's been about five weeks since he's been a part of that unit. So I would more so be afraid of messing that up. Um, I would probably test it out in practice just to see how it looks 
you know, early in practice, early in the week in practice, um, on like Tuesday, Wednesday, on Wednesday, see when um see what see what see what they have or what Jamal Brown offers then as far as uh how the line works in unison. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have it uh set in stone as okay, you're back, you're gonna have your spot back and I've never been one to say you lose your spot uh for, you know, those types of reasons, but I mean when it's the line <laughs> So yeah, I'm okay with it. I would be okay with Austin Black standing standing this role. What about you, Joe? Well, I think the big thing is just you got options. I mean, obviously this is a team that's now starting to deal with some injury concerns. Um, you know, you lose a guy in the middle of the season, it's a problem to have because now between you know Jamon Brown, Austin Blythe at uh, right guard, you got Brian Allen at center, you got Joseph Noteboom. You got some options now that we didn't have last year. Obviously, Blythe was there. But you got some options now that leave you a little bit more comfortable if we have to get into an injury rut. Um, I, I was about to mention somebody as another uh, primetime player, X-Factor, but Joey, you said you want to get it, so you take the intro, man. Obviously, a big day for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, you know, without a touchdown, you kind of can't have much of a better game. Uh, 150 yards. 59 yards, seven receptions. Uh, it was great. And what I really liked about him is that he was going in the middle. I mean, he was he yeah. was grabbing these balls that with the hands, yeah, just with like one hand. I mean, and he's tough. Like he was taking some hits, and he was going where our good buddy, our favorite flatter third, Sammy Watkins, wouldn't go. And oh. I feel like that's that's the upgrade. I think that's why we are paying Brandon Cooks the big money is because he is. He, he he's going those routes that 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 other guys with his speed wouldn't want to go, and it's and it's it's tough. I mean, he he is going to take some big hits, but also you know he made Goff look really good with that with that bomb that sixty yard yeah um, catch where it was underthrown and Cooks just made it happen. I think that's what your wide receiver needs to do is to make your quarterback look good. So I was really happy the way Cooks played. I mean, I thought everybody in the wide receiver core did well. I thought Woods had a really solid game. I thought um, Rob's buddy did really good. I mean, I was really happy with the pass catchers. Robbo, here's a, here's a question for you. Obviously a better game than week one. Wide receivers certainly helped. Offensive line helped. What did you think about Jared Goff? Uh, Jared Goff had an improved game. It's still not great. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to say he didn't play well when he had, what, you know, 22 of what was he at? He was uh, 22 of 24 32 for 354 and a, a TD and a pick. The pick wasn't good. He recognized that fact. He should have challenged Pat P. Uh, the, the only other play, there's two other plays that kind of stood out. That, well, maybe you should have done something different there. The, the first one was the obvious one. It was the, the, the clear miss on Robert Woods wide open in the end zone. That's probably uh, going to be my favorite pass of the year. That was one of the funniest right? throws I think I've ever seen. That thing, he just had to lay it out there, and he, he just rushed it, and he sailed it. Uh, but the other play I thought was not very good on J- young Jared Goff's part was the rollout to his right. He's got the entire field in front of him, and he gets chased down behind and sacked. When all he has to do is he just has to throw, throw three yards away. to the sideline, right? Yeah. Why, why are you holding on to that ball? There's nobody in front of you. Just pitch it, and it, we'll co- go back and do it again. I mean, that's, those are minor things, nitpicky in a 34 nothing win. But in a close sure. game, those things might come up to matter. He needs to show some improvement there. Uh, the underthrown ball in Brennan Cooks, it's annoying. But it didn't, when I went back and watched it again today, it didn't annoy me as much as it originally did when I watched it live. If you watch, he's getting pressure from his right. Uh, Rob Woods actually makes – an outstanding block on that play. If you watch, uh, there's a there's a stunt, and he and Tyler Higby 
switch guys. Rob Woods is coming inside. He watches this guy. This guy comes stunts back around, and Rob actually picks him up. Uh, Goff has to take two hitches, and he lets it fly. I think if he doesn't have to take those hitches and he just has a clean pocket, he might let that ball go earlier. Thus, it's not underthrown. Uh, but it's like all nitpicky stuff, right? When you're 24-32 for 354 and you roll, um, again, if he didn't play perfect, that still shows a little room for improvement there. I'll take that from Mr. Goff, but he definitely needs to be better in some small areas. You know, don't rush the ball and, uh, and you know, don't take stupid sacks when you can clearly get the ball out of bounds and, 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 and retool. Yeah, for sure. I think there was, I well, think it was I in the third what, quarter. I don't know exactly what I was just going to say we tweeted that. it out. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I was just going to no, say we just, tweeted it out. Well, damn it, Joseph, go. <laughs> well, you know, this is the, this is part of the beauty of a podcast. We tweeted it out in the third quarter. He actually went through his progressions and threw it away. I thought what, that was one of the better plays of the game is when he actually did what he didn't do that you were talking about, uh, Robbo. What you got, Mice? Yeah. No, yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. I don't know what you're talking about, but I thought he did a really good job of actually going through his progressions. Um, but, no, I, I, just overall uh, for Brandon Cook, I mean, I know I said it when we uh, – when we picked him up and I made the comparison to Sammy Watkins and what the difference is between him, the, the two, but he's just a better receiver. <laughs> he's always been a better receiver from day one. And uh, I think he, he continues to show that. And he, he really showed it yesterday. Just like you guys mentioned it, just the snags with nothing but hands. I think my favorite uh, play of the game, second favorite, my favorite was actually one that uh, Jared Goff threw to Robert Woods. He threw an absolute bullet. He don't show it off much, so sometimes I forget how strong his arm really is when he wants it to be. But uh, he just rifled a bullet over the middle to Robert Woods that was just flawless. But uh, my second favorite player, play was the uh, the ball where he threw it high, and he had to throw it high. It wasn't just re- a regular high pass. The, re- the corner had great coverage on Brandon Cooks. And it really shouldn't even been thrown, to be honest. But if you're going to throw it, you got to throw it over the corner and Cooks is behind him and he's crossing the field. And Cooks just goes up and just snags this thing all hands, probably jumped up 40 inches and just snags it. It was just – it was beautiful. You you would have thought he was 6'5". <laughs> you know, it was absolutely gorgeous. And I think that's what you bring him in for, you know, to make certain plays, to do certain things that uh, you just didn't have at that position. You know, he's, he's clearly more um, – uh, physically gifted than Robert Woods, who's very reliable. So it's not a, that's not a shot at Robert Woods whatsoever. You know, he's just he's a very right. reliable player, but th- he's not as, quite as athletic as a Brandon Cooks. And so those things really showed up yesterday. So yeah, Brandon Cooks had a great game, but overall, I thought Jared Goff played exceptionally well. I thought this was probably his second best game that I've seen from him outside of the uh, the game against the Texans last year. Um, I thought that was right. his absolute best game in his career, but. I, I thought this was his second best game. I thought he played very well. He made very good decisions. There were some bad throws, obviously. There was a couple of overthrows, and I think that kind of goes back to last week being his first game action. So he's still knocking off that rust and everything. But overall, I thought Jared Goff did really, really well. I, I, I thought I saw improvement from week to week, which for me is the only thing that I always talk about. Are you improving? <laughs> and I definitely felt like he did improve this week upon last week. Still some rust, still missed some with some pretty easy throws like the Robert Woods wide open for a touchdown. But overall, I thought he did a good job. Oh, man. He was I think the upgrade from week one, right? I mean, night and day. For difference. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Huge difference. I think the, the other thing you'd say about Brandon Cooks is the effort, right? Is, and that's part of what is allowing him to absolutely. stretch the field is that he, he's not giving up on any of those balls 
And, and because of that, it's working. Uh, even even when Jared Goff underthrows him, obviously this one they turn into a reception, but uh, he's not giving up on it and letting hit the defender being able to stay with him. He's got enough speed and he's got enough commitment. And it's, uh, it's certainly night and day between uh, Cooks and Sammy Watkins. I don't think that's even a question. What might be a question, here, here's, a, here's a random one I was just thinking about the other day. Who were who you more impressed by overall, the offense or the defense in this one? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I'll go last. <laughs> what you I got, Joey? Know. I, you know, I, I would have to say the offense. And the, re, the reason why is because we spend so much time talking about the defense and we expect these big names right. to step up, and they have been. But what's great about the offense, and I was just about to say it before we were talking about Goff, is the – the play action. And I feel like he's running this play action really well. And maybe it's not showing up on the stat sheet, but when they're in the red zone, I really feel like they're a lot more effective than they were last year. That was one of the big criticisms that uh, McVay was getting is that he's uh, struggles in the red zone. And I felt like this game, yeah, they were just pounding them onto the end zone with, with Gurley. But I think it was because they were respecting um, what what Goff was doing. I mean, at the very end with garbage time, I and mean, he had that pass to Tyler Higby. And you kind of say, oh, it doesn't matter. The game was already blown up. But it was just good to see it happen. It was it was just nice to see this offense do so many different things. And when you talk about these receivers, I'm really impressed that each receiver can do something different. It doesn't feel like they have a lot of repetition in their skill players. It feels like, okay, well, like Brandon Cooks does one thing, Woods and then Cup and then even your your backup guys like um, you know I don't even know if I can mention Josh Reynolds as a backup wide receiver but because they just don't need him and that that's that's right. how well they're doing right now is they're just really letting these starters flourish and we don't even have to worry about who's the backup who's this guy it's like they're just killing it you know scored 34 points I think we can criticize uh, you know Goff for having like one or two two plays but I mean. I just think that that's the quarterback position. You know, I mean, I, I imagine Packer fans every single game when Brett Favre was playing. I mean, how many how many times would they want to play back? I mean, I'm not comparing him to Brett Favre. I'm just comparing him to the fact that quarterbacks make mistakes. I mean, a lot of sure. what, this, what this game is, is a bunch of players were like, well, that didn't work. Let's go on to the next one. And I didn't think Goff had that many of those. He, You know, we could count maybe a handful of them. So I'm – Big fan of uh, what the offense is doing. What do you think, Rob? Well, the scary thing about what they're doing, uh, just real quick, Mike, the scary thing about what they're doing is they're almost in two games now, they've run almost exclusively 11 personnel. They haven't even showed the other packages yet. I mean, are they just saving that up for when they need to pull it out? All right, we've got someone who's not the Arizona Cardinals. Let's let's bust this out and, and, you know, throw that at them because it's all 11 personnel and it's all, you know, as if you watch the Joey mentioned, you know, their, uh, the threat of the run game and, and, and the play action, uh, that's not any more evident than on that 20 yard screen pass, uh, one receiver screen to Brennan Cooks. They yeah. fake the toss sweep to Gurley to the right. The entire defense is rolling to the right. You've got Cooks out there one on one. You've got Whitworth coming straight on the corner, and their balls running the money, and Cooks is off the races for 20 yards. It was bang, bang. I mean, there was no hesitation, fired it, and gone. But if you look at you watch the game back. If you do, watch that play. You'll see every player on the defense except for that corner on Brendan Cooks. They're all going to the right, following Todd Gurley. And, you know, the ball's on the money. It's an easy 20-yard gain. They haven't even opened up their playbook yet. It's just they're running 11 personnel, and they're just beating you with their base. It's pretty damn impressive. Uh, not, you know, the defense, it's hard not to say anything about the defense. when they, You know, they, for six quarters, they pretty much shut down two teams. Um, 
but I don't know that we've seen a dynamic offense yet. You know, let's let's talk after next week when we got Phillip and and his his crew coming to town, and then we'll see what that defense is made of, right? No, you, yeah, you make a good point there, and I, I I said the same thing as far as not really seeing a dynamic offense yet. And, you know, I think it's similar to like the Chiefs, for example, with the way that their offense is playing. They have they like, dynamic defense, you know. So I think it's still early in the season where you're going to see teams look a certain way because they they haven't played certain teams yet to where it's going to really tell you how good a team is. I don't think you can really make that that distinction until probably like four or five weeks in. But um, what Joey was saying earlier as far as golf goes, uh, I agree with him that, you know, it's just part of the game. You're going to have mistakes and things like that. I think the thing that people are alluding to with golf is that you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have, you know, blunders and things like that. But when you have those wide open guys and where you have those type of plays, those just give me, you know, you want to see him start to consistently hit those easier, uh, those easier options more frequently. Whereas right now it's it's like, you know, 30% of those he's hitting and then he's missing the rest to where it should be flipped the other way around, you know. And I think that's what people are pointing to. But just overall, I would definitely say that um, so far I'm actually more impressed with the defense. Um, yes, they have not necessarily seen a dynamic offense, but to me, my first thought when I was looking at this uh, this game yesterday was I knew that was going to be I knew that was going to be something that people said, and so I was like, but does it really matter? Because if you're not getting the job done, even a team that's lacking is going to be able to move the ball a little bit. They didn't cross the fifty nope. until twenty one seconds left in the game. I don't think people understand how hard that is, no matter who you're playing. For example, the Rams played the Colts last year. They sucked. (laughs) They didn't have Andrew Luck. They didn't have any real running game. Frank Gore gave it all he had, but they didn't have a true running game. You know, they didn't have anything. And they still were able to score. (laughs) You know, it's, it's very hard to shut out any team in the league, yet alone to keep them from crossing the 50. And they only crossed it when they put the backups in. So, that should really tell you something like that. That doesn't happen in the NFL very often. I'm saying you're talking about an NFL quarterback having 90 total yards passing. <laughs> That's very hard to do. And Sam Bradford isn't, isn't even close to the worst quarterback we've ever seen. Like, I can't even think of a quarterback who's done that. Jamarcus Russell was getting more than 90 yards passing, you know. So what the defense did is very, very, very impressive. And I don't really want to take too much away from it because of who they're playing against. When we've seen teams play way less talent, and we've seen teams play uh, worse coach games and the, the team still or is able to at least get past the 50, yet alone not even score. So I don't want to take too much from it. Um, I definitely think that it does play a role who you're playing, but I don't think it plays so much of a role that you can say, oh, well, you know, they haven't played anyone. No, they they just did something really great today and I, just the last six quarters in general. Um, so – I have to get I have to get a nod to the defense uh, to be just because the offense two games in a row have started off very pretty slow so yeah that's my pick and to your point I think they, they had three first downs up until that last drive three right. first downs through the entire game I mean five yeah. they had five first they have, I think they, they have, got two on no, that last total. Yeah, they they five, yeah, right. you're right they had right. five total yeah up until that up until that last drive they had three first downs ridiculous yep. got it. Defense was dominant. Defense was dominant. Obviously, Sam Bradford throws the ball 27 times for 90 yards. That is a extreme, extreme statistic. 
One of the other things, though, and obviously, you know, there's so much to talk about, but somehow we haven't gotten to it. JoJo Natson was spectacular, which which isn't surprising given how he looked in the preseason, but B, what we know about John Fossil's, you know, units. He's a phenomenal special teams coordinator. The Rams have been incredible in every aspect in special teams since he came on board. But the Rams, obviously, the defense played phenomenal. The offense was very good. But because of their punt return unit and because the Cardinals were punting, punting so often, they had great field position all day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I know I mentioned it last week. The difference between Farrell Cooper and other return men is explosiveness. And right. I was looking forward to JoJo Natson because of his explosiveness that he showed in the preseason. And yeah. You saw it yesterday, 22-and-a-half 22 yards return uh, for his punt return averages. And which was the exact same as his kick return, actually. But 22 and a half, that is impressive. And that, that 60 yarder, Farrell Cooper can't do that because it wasn't that the right. blocks were just so good. It's just that he saw a chance to get around the corner and he hit it so fast. It, like, if he doesn't stumble when he cuts back to go break it back to the middle of the field, he's gone. He, he yeah. stumbled off his own feet. You know, so that, that just kind of shows what I was talking about with the explosiveness. When you have a guy who, and usually you want a guy that is explosive back there, but when you have a guy who can do that, who can turn it on, it's a game changer. It really is. It can completely shift the entire uh, dynamics of the field position, and that's what he did often yesterday. So I personally, I was I was definitely impressed. Um, I loved what I saw because it carried over from the preseason, and you do have to ask yourself in the preseason, is it because of, you know, which team he's facing, you know, is it because he's facing the third team, second team, whatever it is, you know, what he gets, it's a lot of guys on those special team units who's not even going to make the 53. So is that the reason he's performing as well? Or is he really that good? And I think he proved to everyone that it's because he's really that good at what he does. So I personally am happy for the young man, uh, all five foot, 759 pounds of them putting on for the little guys. So hats off to you, Jojo Natson. Yeah, and you know what's an interesting point, too, is I, I agree with what you said, that um, sometimes with the special teams, it really depends on how your defense is playing. Because if, if you have a team that's constantly, uh, you know, letting the other team score touchdowns, then you're constantly just going to be having kickoffs. And that, that could be providing not as many opportunities to return the ball because, you know, maybe they're just kicking it into the end zone. But when you're causing the other team to punt, like the Rams were yesterday, then you're going to have a completely different dynamic where you're setting up JoJo Natson for success because he has a lot more opportunities uh, to, to, to break him because he's dealing with, uh, you know, just this, this you know amazing special teams that uh, Coach Bones is doing. But um, it's also just he's getting a, getting a lot of punts, and it was really uh, it's really fun to see. And I I, I agree that uh, you know Farrah Cooper doesn't have the explosiveness. I, I mean, he does have really good moves. I mean, I I don't know if 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 we're thinking like. We're going to cut Federal Cooper now because, because of JoJo Natson. I mean, I, I'm really intrigued to see how they're going to play no. that. But um, no, no, I think no. it was, it was a, it's a happy accident that we uh, have the good fortune of, of having this guy that is, is playing really well in the situation that we're putting him in. All five foot three of them. I love the guy. That's a small man. That's a small man. Love to see him out there. Uh, good stuff. Uh, one thing before we close out the game, uh, close things up for the pod this week. Um, the report card. Wags had the sticks on the report card this week. Uh, Robbo, let me know if you disagree with any of these. He had quarterbacks B+, plus, running backs B+, plus, tight ends B, wide receivers A, offensive line B, defensive line A-, minus, linebackers B, 
Defensive backs, A+, plus, and special teams, A+, plus, coaching, A. What do you think? Any grapes? Oh, the quarterback, I think, could be higher. I think we already talked about that. You know, I, I was nitpicking on a couple, two plays that Jared Goff had uh, sure. on eight misses. Uh, you know, he could have not taken a sack in that one spot, and everyone saw him miss. But as we've talked about, you know, not everyone's perfect. No one plays a perfect game. You're going to miss some guys, whatever. I, you know, I would give a little higher grade to the quarterback rate. Uh, running backs, I'm, you know, almost an incomplete there because they kind of shut the running game down. We didn't need it. You know, it was a, it was a, the Brandon Cook show. Uh, if you can't give the wide receivers an A plus on that performance, I don't know what you're looking at. Uh, you know, the ability for the uh, Brandon Cooks you mentioned earlier today, the ability to flash the hands. There were three catches that stood out to me with Brandon Cooks. You guys talked about yeah. you. It was the uh, the deep ball, to be able to adjust on the underthrown ball. It was the one Myson talked about coming over the middle. Ball goes over the under over the under coverage and in front of the safety. Hands flash. He goes up tall. Plays like a six footer instead of like five nine. The other one I thought was almost as impressive. Not as not a really great run up the catch or anything. He's got an outbreaking route. The ball's in. He stops, dives back, snares out of the out of the air and pulls it in. It was just beautiful. Just the hands of Brandon Cooks were was unbelievable in this game. Ooh. Um. Yeah, it was great. So those are the those are the ones that kind of stood out to me. It's like you know, there were there were a couple maybe we can give a little higher marks. Maybe do you want to be a homer there or whatever. But if you're winning 31, 34 to nothing, you can get, you can give pretty hard marks across the board. Yeah, yeah, I, I would give an A plus to the defensive line. I think the defensive line was 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 excellent, and especially the way they 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 stopped the run. And also the defensive line, you know, kind of what Robo just said, they did, you know have. Uh, didn't give Gurley over 100 yards rushing or anything like that, and uh, so I could see why he he downgraded their grade. But they also provided J- Jared Goff enough time to watch dances with wolves back there. I mean, he had so much time to bounce the ball. There were some moments where he was pressured, but I I I'd give them yeah an, an A minus or an A or an A. And maybe I just like the guys and I'm a little lenient, but um, I, I'm just really happy with the team right now. You know, it's it's just nice to be able to. Uh, talk about these guys and be like, I would give them a better grade. So, um, good times. I do like the dances with Wolf. Mike, what you got? You know, I think I think this is a classic example of um, understanding or when you when you see something and you see how important someone really is. Uh, I think this is a classic example of what Todd Gurley means to this team. Uh, here you have a guy who literally is such a focal point of the defense, <laughs> you know, that yeah. they li- they sell out. They completely sell out to stop them. They did early and, on, and for, doing, sure. for sure. Absolutely. And in doing so, they just start leaving open all these yep. windows in the middle of the field to where Robert Woods and, and, and Brandon Cooks got to eat. And I agree with Rob that Anytime you have receivers playing, they they were making. There was one catch that Robert Woods went up over the defender and just snatched this thing. Like he was behind him, the ball was not quite on the left, thrown on the left boundary. Yeah, thrown. yeah, and he just. I was just like, shit. I had to rewind it like fifty times. I was like, my god, that was a beautiful catch. And he just went up and took this thing. I just. I don't see how you can't give them an A plus. Um, I thought Jerry Goff deserved an A minus, an A. Uh, uh, a minus at the lowest, A at the highest. Um, but just overall, I thought the line did well, actually, because they still were protecting extremely well. Um, they were they were getting all their blocking assignments in the run game, actually. They all played really well in the run game. It was just 
more times than not. Jared Goff, or not Jared Goff, but uh, Todd Gurley, it wasn't a matter of um, missed block assignments or them getting pushed back or anything like that. There was a lot of run blitzes called, and there was a lot of just stacking the box with more uh, defenders than there were blockers. <laughs> and that's just kind of what happened. You know, but if you notice at the end of the game, when Gurley was out and they kind of took the pressure out of the box, you saw Malcolm Brown kind of picking up yards and chucks. And it wasn't that Malcolm Brown was running better than Gurley or the line suddenly got better, but they started to just cover the pass more. And as a result, you saw the running game start to open up. So I think this is just a prime example of what one piece of the puzzle can do for the other. And in this particular situation, what what, what uh, Ty Gurley does for the passing game, he literally opens things up for everyone, and he just takes the pressure off of everyone. And even so, if you play fantasy football, even though he ain't have 150 yards rushing, he still did pretty good for you. So, so yeah. three touchdowns rushing on one of them, he wasn't even touched. And that's pure offensive line. You can't be on the one-yard line, run up the middle, and not, no one even breathes on you. They didn't even pinch the son of this. So, yeah, I, I would definitely say the offensive line deserves a much higher grade. Y'all touched on all of it. Uh, week three, we head uh, towards probably the biggest game of the season thus far. Uh, hashtag fight for L.A., Hashtag fight for each other. Hashtag fight for uh, anything. Hashtag just fight. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Fight, fight, fight. Los Angeles Rams. L.A. L.A. Joey, you're the you're the resident L.A. expert. What do you think this game means? You know, I, I, I'm glad you asked that. I um I have a buddy who works at, at StubHub, and and he was like, hey, I, I have a, I you know I have the opportunity for you to come over and and, and sit in the StubHub suite for the first game when they're playing the. the the Chiefs, right. and I hadn't been to the StubHub Center yet, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it went over there. And, you know, you, you hear things about, oh, you know, everybody from the other team's going to show up. There's no Charger fans. And I, I was surprised. I mean, I know it's fun to hate the Chargers and everything, but there were a lot of Charger fans. And, I mean, obviously it's a home game. So, like of course, there was going to be fans of the team. But it was, um, it, it, you know, I think I think they have some momentum right now. I think I think the Chargers have a little bit of, uh, I think I think the fans from San Diego are finally kind of getting over uh, their anger at the franchise, but there's still some bad blood there. I think people are really mad, um, you know, at, at, at the ownership, and they're and they're, they're they're mad at just the whole move. I mean, there's a lot of bad blood that's not going to go away for a while. So there's some awkwardness, but I don't think that has anything to do with the players. I mean, I think it's it's it, it's kind of where the Dodgers had that whole whole problem with the, with the ownership before uh, their current group kind of came in. So it's it's tricky and it's weird, but um, I'll just say that I I think watching an NFL game with twenty seven thousand people was really fun. It kind of ruined me on going to the Coliseum a little bit because we're sitting right on the fifty sitting out there and it just was like watching it on TV. I mean, it was awesome. It was like the professor seats at the Coliseum. Cause when I go to a Rams game at the Coliseum, I'm sitting in like, you know, on one of the end zone sides. So you're only getting one perspective of the game. But I think, you know, with this game with the Chargers, the fight for LA is really interesting because I think that's why you want to hate the Chargers more and kind of why I think it was a really poor move to do it. It's because it was, um, you're coming from a place of weakness and the Rams have the history. They have the tradition. And I think what the Chargers just need to do is win. And I sure. think it yeah. will suck if they lose to the Rams. I think if, you know, Phillip Rivers has a good game, which he totally could. They have a lot of weapons. Mike Williams is playing really well right now. I really like him. But I think that uh, 
it's going to be, I think, a really rowdy crowd. And I think, I think the Rams fans are out for blood, and I think that's really fun. And I think that this could be a really fun rivalry, especially since it's in the Coliseum. I think that's great. And I think people are going to really give hell to anybody that shows up in a Chargers jersey. So I think that's really fun. And I, I think these freeway series are great, you know, because I think Dodger fans and Angel fans really hate each other. And it kind of becomes – an idea of like the tough guys against like the soft people. And I think, you know, I grew up right near Angel Stadium and I feel like anybody falls at Angel. I just feel like that's a really kind of soft franchise. And I feel like the Chargers are kind of getting that reputation a little bit, especially because they're playing this little, little soccer stadium. It's really nice. And you're, you're eating your ice cream right. in a little, a little helmet cup. Um, it's, it, it, <laughs> And I, I think I think that's the identity of the team. And I, I think if we if we keep working on that, I I think that it's going to be like that the, the that the Rams are more like a football team, and the Chargers are a, lot, are, are a little bit you know a little more cute. If you I like Rams I was fans. About to are say that, I like the oh you're so cute take. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I the Rams, Rams fans are going to discover that there's some not so soft guys in that Charger defense. Derwin James will knock your head off. That's a paramount. They're a good team. They're a good team. I mean, they're lucky yeah. Joey Bosa's hurt because that D, that D is loaded. They're, you're talking about, you know, the Rams corners. Uh, if you look at a healthy Charger team, they are just as loaded as secondary. Um, and, oh, yeah, Phillip Rivers was just 23 of 27 for 256 and 143 pass rating and three touchdowns last week. That's a good team. If you almost take them lightly, uh, they, uh, And the week before against the Chiefs, he threw for 400-something, yeah. three touchdowns. Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, uh, so, and he's not, he's, he hasn't let up. That's a, that's a good team who I expect to come in and play uh, the Rams tough, especially if the, you know, the Rams, as Mice mentioned, they started slow again this week. Uh, they, you know, they start slow again next week. They may find themselves behind and having to come back. Now they come out and, and put it, put the boot in their ass and, and step on them and win comfortable. Like, that, I think this week is going to give us this week and next week is going to tell us what this team is about, right? Because you've got the Chargers this week, even though they're one-on-one, they're a pretty good team. And you've got the Vikings coming in who I think, it's another really good team, even though they tied last week. So the next two weeks are going to tell us what the, the following 12 are going to do for this team. Yeah. Yeah, it's about to get really interesting, uh, which is not nice. And Chargers coming to town. That Big test, big test. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is where you get to see, as Rob was saying, you know, have they played a dynamic offense? This is where you get to see them play that dynamic offense. Um, the – Chargers offense, I personally think, is one of the most underrated in the NFL. And, Rob, you touched on it a little bit. I don't think Phillip Rivers is just a Hall of Famer. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think Phillip Rivers has performed so unbelievably well in his career. Phillip Rivers, since day one, has been one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch because I love the way he plays the game, that competitiveness, that fire. But then he's also a comeback king. When the game's on the line and you watch this guy march his team down the field, it's beautiful. Like, no one can turn it on and just laser focus, beam in, put the team on his back quite like him. You know, you hear about all the talk of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and the way that they do it. He's literally at the exact same level with them. I put him above Drew Brees, above Ben Roethlisberger, all those guys. He's above them when it comes to putting the team on the back because for so long he was all they had. You know, they just started to get weapons around him. For so long, he was all they had. And he's he become so good at putting the team on his back and literally carrying them to victories. I think Phil Rivers is just that good. And because of that, and now, you like I said, he has those weapons around him. I think the Rams' defense get their first real test. 
uh, first big test um, where they where you get to see what they're really about. Um, Keenan Allen is a problem. He's one of the least talked about receivers in the NFL, but he is a top ten receiver. Ask any professional football player, they would tell you Keenan Allen is a top ten receiver. Some have him in the top five. He is a problem. So you you'll get to see the corners really get tested. Um, and then, of course, they have a lot of little pieces that you throw in. I think Austin Eckler is a monster as a change of pace back, and Melvin Gordon's playing really, 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 really well right now. So just overall, they have all the weapons that you need. And, I mean, the Rams should really be counting their blessings that Hunter Henry is not available because that would just be another big headache. Um, so th- this offense is really good. Their defense is a, big bang- is a bit banged up. I think uh, that could actually play in the Rams' favor. Um, but, but just because of the missing a few key players, but they still are very, very good. More than anything, I think that front seven is a problem. Um, you, you can never forget about Melvin Ingram. He is going to wreck havoc. Yeah, that's inevitable. Uh, so I definitely think this will be a good game. Uh, you cannot start off slow. I think that they if they're going to start clicking, this will be the time to do it if you're going to come out clicking. Um, they're they're good enough that they don't have to stack the box. They can they can they can play you straight up and they can still stop the run. So it'll be a good test. Um, I still I still lean towards the Rams because I think they just have more firepower just overall. Um, but I, it'll be it's going to be good. They got to come out swinging though. It'll be fun. Um, college ball, Joey. Did you watch oh, yeah. eleven hours oh, of yeah. college football oh, yeah. on Saturday? Did you oh, watch yeah. eleven oh, I, hours? I, I, have a, I have a question for you guys. Um, oh, I was man. wondering. Does, does anybody know the record for North Texas Mean Green? Does anybody know uh, what the record is? No one watches North Texas. Don't Speak North on it, Joey. <laughs> Joey, 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 Joey. I'm starting to not like you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> I just I'm just curious that no they reason. should have lost to Arkansas, right? They should have. They had no business beating Arkansas, right? Yeah. And uh, especially, especially the land filled with mosquitoes oh. in the oh. south. But um, I'm, I'm going full was, shack was, cat dip, just shaking all over. I, <laughs> but just I mean they're. I mean, but but the teams they're playing though, it's it you know the funny thing I was just looking at the teams that North Texas are the playing just to do another shift. It's it, it's one of those things where you go, oh, they have a football team. Like next week they're playing Liberty. It's Liberty University, right? That's is that the Christian school? The Fighting Bible. Okay, uh, you know, <laughs> so so they're playing some teams where I wasn't aware that they had a football program, but um, but beating SMU and beating Arkansas. Um, incarnate Word, that's a school. Incarnate Word. I'm sorry if I also come the off the fighting Bibles. Yeah, have you guys ever ever heard of the uh, the Incarnate Word Cardinals? I'm, I, I have. I've been there many times. San Antonio area. It's a lovely school, Joey. It's a lovely school. You know what? I wish nothing but the best for these guys. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think. Uh, we talked last week, and my USC Trojans, um, they uh, they pooped the bed. And the, you know, we talked about a game that they needed to win, and um, they did not. You know what? They didn't win. So I think I think they're going to pay the price. I, told I think you. I think that I think that's their season. I think that's their uh, I think their toast. I told you that game was bigger for Texas than it was USC. It means some. It meant more to them than it did them. So, oh, I think I'm not I, no, but, 
But, but, but Mike, I think it does mean a lot to USC, and they they lost, and that's going to mean yeah, a lot. Yeah, it, it always means more when you lose. It has to mean more before <laughs> that happens. So. USC, yeah, USC well, yeah. at the end of the end of the first quarter, USC was up fourteen to three. End of the game, they lose fourteen to thirty-seven. Uh, yeah, that's just giving good. away twenty-one points in the third quarter isn't gonna um, isn't gonna help. But you know, it's a bunch of Bunch of rich kids. What do they know? Um, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, uh, that, that that was a disappointment. What about you guys? What do you think? Hey, what are they supposed okay to do? Pretty good football. What is this? The South? Hey Joey, you were okay <laughs> with the Rams? You were okay with the Rams coming out in the third quarter against the Raiders, scoring twenty-one? Now you got a problem when teams do this. I don't get you. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I, I'm not criticizing Texas for scoring twenty-one points. No, I'm, I'm criticizing USC by. Giving away 21 points is is bad. I don't know no, if that's a hot take. I think that. I think that's I'm kind of a hey. You know what you should do is not give up 21 points in this quarter or any quarter for that yeah. really bad. I think in any game, <laughs> try, try not to just let the team score whenever they want. That's I think that if One I was through. a coach, I would just be I, I would be saying um, try, try not to let them score. I, I would be um, would be very effective. <laughs> I do like Absolutely. Joey, the offbeat coach. This, Joe, Let us not allow them to score this you. quarter, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I will say this before I, give you, before I give you my games of the week, I will say oh. this. I told you the Mizzou-Purdue game was going to be pretty good, but you don't ever listen. It was. I actually turned on some of it. I actually, you know I actually you don't some of it. Listen. You never listen. <laughs> you should have listened. <laughs> it was a good game, though. No, it was a very, very good game. Down to the wire. You know I love those games down to the wire. Also, the Notre Dame game, I knew that one was going to be good. That that, that was very good. But that this was week's game. game, Mizzou's in it again, baby. <laughs> yep. Mizzou, Georgia, they are both offering up conference play. I think that we have something to look forward to. Drew Locke is playing very well. Mizzou's offense is suddenly full of explosive receivers after years of four or six guys. <laughs> No, no offense to Jamal Moore. He, he, even at a four six, he still was a pretty good deep threat. But they have legitimate blazers at receiver now, and uh, it's been helping them a lot, out a lot. So I think uh, this what's your feeling on Drew Locke? Where's Drew Locke headed in terms of as an NFL prospect? As of right now, Drew Locke is about a second or third round draft uh, draft mm-hmm. prospect. Oh, interesting. But games like this can really push up his stock. Yeah. What does Mel Kiper Jr. say? My, no. does, 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 he, does he agree with you? My I don't care what Mel My favorite evaluator. That's where I was going. True, Mel. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think that, I think that um, this game here is going to be a stock booster if he can play halfway well. <laughs> you know, just halfway well, because while those receivers are blazers, they're going to go up against probably the best secondary they're going to see all year. And this is this is one of those games where it can sneak up on a team because yeah, Mizzou's not ranked, and Mizzou has had a down two years or whatever it was since the last time they really came out was competitive two or three seasons now. So this is one of those games where it can really sneak up on you and shock you if you're Georgia um, so this is one game that I definitely say that everyone needs to watch out for. And then, of course, the Texas A&M, Alabama, even before Nick Saban, my boy Nick, holla at me, even before Nick Saban got there, 
Alabama has always been a or A&M has always been a thorn in Alabama's side. So now you add Nick Saban to the fold, and it's just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> so definitely want to uh, make sure you're uh, looking out for that game. I think Alabama is uh, has come out blazing with with Tui at the uh, quarterback position and first team in SEC history to have score over 50 points in the first three games of the season and all that stuff. Yeah, that's all nice, fine, and dandy, but they haven't played a single soul yet, and, and now they get to play against an A&M team that's very good and has one of the best coaches in the country. I definitely think it's one of those games that everyone should tune into. If you're not watching it, I don't even know why you're watching college football because you're just kind of wasting your time if you're not watching that. But uh, one more game, and that's Texas versus TCU. I think this, both teams are 2-1. and one. I think this has the makings of a really good game. Um, Texas is coming off quite the high right now. TCU, can, for whatever reason, for the last 10 to 15 years, has had one of the best defenses in college football every single year. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a good game in my eyes. I think that this one, I think this one could kind of be one of those games where it comes down to the wire. You're looking at a 34 to uh, 30 type game with Texas TCU. Joe, what you got? Oh, uh, I'll tell you what I got. Sadly, for our friend Robbo, um, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's not anybody's fault. It's not Robbo's fault. It's just it's where we are right now. No. With, well, I'm no. sorry, man. I mean, you know, the team has two home losses to Fresno uh, State and Cincinnati. Don't even don't even uh, mention the four letters. Don't even bring it up. Yeah. College football. Uh, ACLU? Can we can we rearrange them? Does that count? <laughs> There's no college football happening this year. We're going to go straight to UCLA basketball because that Thanks. shit doesn't deserve being talked about. Next. No, no, that was not not the right audio hit. Let's try to change that next week. That definitely Um, sounded like 1970s porn. (laughs) Well, maybe that's the right segue. I will say this, uh, going back to the USC game, if you haven't seen Amon Ross St. Brown, he's from the St. Brown family. Uh, Where's Equinemius at? He's with the – no, where's he at? Packers, right? He's with the Packers. Packers. The Packers. Equinemius came from Notre Dame. He's with the Packers. There's a St. Brown brother at Stanford. The youngest is now a freshman at USC. Three of them. <laughs> Osiris, yeah, Osiris is the one at Stanford. Amon Ra, uh, freshman at USC. He had a monster game against Texas. He looks legit. Uh, will be interesting to see him. We talked about most of the main stuff. Uh, one thing I was impressed by, I watched a lot of the Oklahoma-Iowa State game. The offensive line looked really good. Obviously, Iowa State is in the defensive line that you want to judge them against. They're going to be fun moving forward. LSU's defense is obviously stacked. Devin White is going to be a guy that you're going to hear a lot about uh, related to the Rams with their linebacking group when we get into next spring. Boise State come up coming up real short against Oklahoma State. That was in Stillwater. Going to be interesting to see that offense. Overall, it's setting things up. Uh, Joe, you had something about Oregon and Stanford you want to drop? Yeah, I'm just excited about uh, Justin Herbert. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I'm a big dummy. But I what, think uh, what do we not know how to say a bear? What am I in the south? Are you telling me they have mosquitoes? Exactly. I just see all those R's and I just kind of you know, think, close my I'm eyes and hope for the best. Joe, I'm starting to think Joe took offense to that south remark. I, you what know am what? I supposed He's to do? Salty Add about butter it. to the flour and cook it before I eat it? Where am I in one of the southern United States? <laughs> Well, you, you know, you know what's fun about uh, my, my misunderstanding just about places that aren't California is uh, I did this big road trip a couple of years ago, and I was everybody's talking about barbecue this and barbecue that, and just living in California all the time, I think of barbecue as like a verb, 
And so I had to really kind of go, oh, you guys are so mad about something that's a noun. Because everyone's like, oh, no, this, I'm better than this. Memphis, you know, just, they're, they're way better than North Carolina. And, and, and you know what? I understand I understand all the rivalries. We can have a whole podcast about um, barbecue rivalries. And uh, that's very fun. But going back to um, – <laughs> so there's nothing to do with that. It's Oregon Stanford. Uh, I, I I really think Justin Herbert uh, is going to be a um, – I, I think a top prospect. I mean, the, right now he looks like he's one of the top prospects going into the um, NFL draft. I'm, and, I mean, he needs to play well against Stanford, though. And uh, I think this is just going to be a really important uh, Pac-12 game because you got both teams playing. Uh, they're both 3-0. And I just think Oregon has a lot of weapons. I think they have a good running game and a good passing game. I just want to kind of see what they can do against Stanford. And I think that will be kind of huge for them if they could beat uh, – a top ten team, so they're gonna be fun. West Coast, uh, we're gonna have to West Coast real quick, too late for you guys. Rob, Rob, can you Rob, can you please tell him where the best barbecue is in the country, please, if you don't mind? Don't get it wrong. Uh, don't get it wrong, Rob. St. Louis, Sugar Fire. Oh, there you go. Sugar Fire. Thank you very much. Where is that located? Please let the people know where is it located. That would be in St. Louis. Thank you, sir. You, you're a good man. You're a good man. They have Thank a couple you, locations. One conveniently located just a few minutes from the airport. We'll delicious. see you later uh, this week. You want roasted meat? <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Episode <laughs> over. Amazing San Gennaro celebration. Holy cannoli! With Tony Danza and Tony Bennett. Next, Rachel. Rachel Ray, new season today at 1 on NBC5. Friday, the first debate. We've seen this country come together. The fight for the Senate. We want to do great things. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke face off in their first high-stakes debate. Decision 2018, Friday at 6 on NBC5. Tony times two equals one amazing San Gennaro celebration. Holy cannoli! With Tony Danza and Tony Bennett. Next, Rachel. Rachel Ray, new season today at 1 on NBC5. Friday, the first debate. We've seen this country come together. The fight for the Senate. We want to do great things. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke face off in their first high-stakes debate. Decision 2018, Friday at 6 on NBC5. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. 
Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.